Today, we're going to take a look at a pitch deck for an investment in hemp uh, as it pertains to the hemp opportunity zone. We're going to do that with seven tips to a successful investment deck. All of that coming up. It's only entertainment. Welcome back to the Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. Today, seven tips to a six... Seven Tips to a Successful Investment Deck with our guest, Katrina Glogowski, angel investor and attorney. Katrina, thanks for being back on The Talking Hedge. Thanks, Josh. So what we're going to be looking at uh, for the hemp opportunity zone uh, is whether or not they fit the seven criteria. So it's going to be a two-part kind of thing. We're going to educate you on the hemp opportunity zone as well as what makes a good investment deck, starting with, are they going to identify the business plan goals? Do they know their audience? Do they understand the market? Is there needs and roadblocks in the pitch deck? Do they know what sets them apart from the competitors? Will they introduce the team and products? And finally, are they going to create a summary with a call to action? Let's find out. So the Hemp OZ Fund is a qualified opportunity fund. Basically, the whole point of this is to try to protect your capital or principal into a commercial real estate rural opportunity zone to increase cash flow. So they want to convert cash to commercial real estate. Um, it's kind of like a 1031 exchange, if you will. So um, this is kind of a tax-free opportunity. We'll get into that. The bottleneck, or this is the um, problem statement, is that despite its great potential, North America hemp fiber is being restricted by a lack of processing infrastructure. So from farming to products, there is a bottleneck in the middle at processing. I remember just a few years ago, uh, all of these people were growing hemp. And then at the end of the year, they're like, okay, where do we dry? And then nobody had a, <laughs> nobody had that planned. And it was like the most, the, the worst clusterfuck you could have ever imagined. Uh, I think some people have gotten out of the game. Some people have figured that out, but uh, it still hasn't quite figured it out. And in fact, in Canada, they just abandoned a $10 million project for a processing facility out there, much needed, but it costs so much. They were like, forget it, we're done. So it's even today, this is something that's needed. Number one investment objective for hemp processing factories is to have that commercial real estate, actually processing industrial hemp to integrate with their patented AI technologies to maximize productivity and ensure quality control for supplying Fortune 500 and manufacturers globally. And then another quote uh, from New Frontier uh, data saying that due to the large capital investment required, the volume-based nature of commodity pricing and the geographical limitations to raw material sourcing is a significant first-mover advantage that exists for fiber processors. So hopefully they're going to talk about that patented AI technology. Otherwise, they've just created more questions than they've answered. It can't just be yeah, buzzwords. can't be buzzwords. <laughs> you got to actually prove that uh, somehow in here that you're doing that. Right now, I hope that this is uh, actually a building and not a plan. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not going to ruin it for you. Um, so the hemp fiber processing is, uh, you're talking about $1,000 an acre, that's 10 cents per hour. Um, and notice that CBD isn't anywhere on here, flour isn't anywhere here. So you have seeds and fiber and hemp herd uh, looking at like $3,000 an acre. So the second investment objective is to have hemp manufacturing facilities. So there's an, a commercial real estate for manufacturing hemp products. They have smart factories connected to the supply chain uh, for efficient supplying and sustainable products. 
Um, I don't think this is like Google Maps where it's just telling you point A to point B. Um, a lot of the infrastructure AI is basically telling you how to get there faster logistically. Uh, maybe they'll get into that uh, if that's in fact what they're using. A lot of SKUs, a lot of products you can um, use. And so I think this is um, kind of talking about all of the, the uses, seeds and fiber and herd building materials, woven, non-woven products, health foods, uh, proteins, milk, cheeses, all that. And then for manufacturing, basically anything that's plastic, right? You can make for hemp. So yeah, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of uses for hemp fiber. And I don't know if they talk about the the waste when people like just throw away their roots and, and everything else, but there's not the, there's not these processing facilities. So a lot of this stuff is going to waste, and you can probably buy this material uh, fairly inexpensively. Uh, hemp wood grows faster, is better, um, all of that. Not sure why they have this particular slide in here. Um, graphene is really interesting. If you've been tracking some of that, 200 times stronger than steel, um, conducts electricity better than any known material. I would be surprised if that's accurate. If it's more conductive than gold, that would be really, really interesting. And it, <laughs> yes. it can convert light. So graphene is really expensive to produce though. Um, when you add it to it's just a small amount to concrete, it makes it much, much more stronger. So hempcrete could be really interesting with that as well. Mm -hmm. All right. So investment opportunities, the time, uh, time the entry. So tap into a nascent industry, highly inefficient and fragmented to develop the supply chain with a diverse portfolio to ensure liquidity with underwriting purchases to ensure that production pays back initial investment in less than five years. And then the exit to sell the portfolio asset combinations tax-free after 10 years. So like I said, 1031 money comes into the, the portfolio and then comes out tax-free after 10 years at a 15X annual flow revenue. That's what they're anticipating. So the TAM, 15 trillion, the majority of that coming from agriculture and then food. 15 trillion? Oh my goodness, Josh. You that's, like that? That's yeah, buy now, buy now. You know I love the TAM slide. My oh, favorite yeah. one. Total adjustable <laughs> market is, is what we live for. Yeah. Uh, U.S. companies going green. The Green New Deal uh, by 2035 in the U.S. is going to be an issue. Not because they care about the environment because carbon tax credits. Let's be real here. Uh, U.S. companies, in the last year, 40% of all companies say they've taken action to improve. And it's also... Uh, people that just kind of want to have this virtue signaling. We're green, we're green Coca-Cola, like forget about it. Uh, there's no way they care about these social responsibility investing and the environmental social governance. A lot of it is when you look at the companies in there and some banks are in there just because they're touting what they're doing, you have to really kind of get in and, and do your due diligence if you actually want to invest in a real social environmental governance stocks. But I digress. Um, <laughs> so you want to buy American, you can look at uh, federal financial assistance awards and federal procurement to maximize the use of goods and materials produced in the US. Um, There's just an article about how Bill Clinton signed NAFTA a while ago, kind of getting rid of a lot of jobs and maybe that uh, the, the supply chain uh, disruption is kind of creating more localization now and that whole change in, in perception of where you need to get your products, uh, I think is maybe changing a lot. So there's 
a lot of different moving parts here, but looking at the advantages from a tax standpoint, uh, offering 10% off basis, 15-year tax deferral, 100% exclusion on capital appreciation after 10 years with an IRR of 23%. This just looks like a deal you can't turn down, Josh. Look at that. 675% increase. That's amazing. It's a nice little hockey stick there. Uh, yep. Capital gains tax rates, 23.8% for an initial investment of a million. And so looking at impact investing, we talk about social impact, environmental impact, all of those good things. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I believe in hemp though. It's better than trees, grows faster, all those things. I don't need to, to sell the idea there, but um, right. looking at the timing, um, three powerful trends on assets with smart infrastructure, the structure itself, enabling investors to defer or reduce or eliminate taxes, and then solving an infrastructure crisis for that trillion dollar market. Mm -hmm. So how's the fund structured? Looking at a target asset under management of 50 million, uh, starting at 50,000 for the initial minimum. Two and 20 for a management fee, typical of, of, a, of a fund with a hurdle rate of 12%. So you don't uh, get charged until you make at least 12%. Um, and again, most so of the- this is, So this is a fund, not a building? That is correct. Do the, does the fund have a building? Does the fund plan to have a building in the future? <laughs> so I believe that the fund is investing in all of those processing facilities. So you invest in the fund. The idea is to kind of have this 1031 style uh, tax-free vehicle. And then they invest in these processing facilities. And then that's how you get your return. Excellent. Managed by Robert Palma, the, the GP and, uh, and his general partner, Kevin. They've got an advisory board with some advisors. <laughs> and then Excellent. A, and a support team. So it's not just, you know, somebody in their garage. They've actually got some folks there. Um, executive summary. Maybe it would have put that in the, in the beginning, I guess. Um, they're going to provide capital and expertise to solve the infrastructure crisis in the hemp industry, acquiring commercial real estate and rural opportunity zones and retrofit that for hemp manufacturing uh, with accredited investors to own equity and assets for the hemp industry, growing at a CAGR of 34%, targeting multi-trillion dollar markets, all while protecting the capital gains for a tax-free growth. Term sheet. Yeah. I like the term sheet. You don't see that very often. Um, yes. So this, uh, this fund, total fund, uh, looking at um, a cap of $500 million. Minimum subscription, like we mentioned, is 50,000. Active uh, potential investments right now, there's five different investments to get in at. Mm -hmm. Target returns 23%. And that is it. I, I like that. Invest today with a telephone number, email, and a website. Is that a call to action, Josh? Invest today. <laughs> well, the disclaimer is certainly not. Uh, <laughs> well, let's see. Let's start with, uh, did they identify the business plan goals? Uh, yes, I think they did. Uh, they are absolutely 100% correct that the processing is a bottleneck and 
as you stated, it, it's, a, it's very capital intensive to buy these machines, buy this real estate. And with the hemp boom, uh, it was much uh, lower bar to entry to grow than to process. And you, that this is, there's a need for hemp processing, agreed. So they get a point. Do they understand or know the investor audience? I think they also get a point here, Josh, because first of all, from the investor perspective, uh, they're talking about returns, they're talking about exits, they're, they're using all the buzzwords so they know the investor audience and they, they sort of understand the market. This goes over into number two um, by clearly identifying the pain points. So I think they know both the, the market audience and the uh, investor audience. Okay. So they understand, the market. they understand the market as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did, they, did they put in some uh, needs and roadblocks? I did not see a single need or roadblock. Mm -hmm. uh, I did not see them address the regulatory burdens around hemp. I did not see them uh, discuss, you know, are they going to have five regional facilities where hemp, hemp growers uh, bring their product to them? Are they going to have one in every state? Uh, as we know, uh, each state regulates hemp a little bit differently. The feds are continuing to muck that up. Uh, so I didn't see a single problem uh, that they identified with their plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I mentioned, that $10 million facility up in Canada that they abandoned mid-build mid because of the additional costs that kept incurring and the changes and everything, they just walked away from it entirely. So um, that could be in there somehow, uh, but most people don't include, uh, you know, needs and roadblocks. But yeah. setting the business apart, was it enough just to state that they are a tax-free vehicle? I think that's fairly unique. It's something I have not seen in the in the cannabis space uh, at all, um, which is why I wanted to review this deck. I found it to be fairly unique. Was it enough for you to give them a point on knowing what sets them apart? They did not uh, address a single competitor. Uh, who no. else is doing this? Okay, mm -hmm. you say they're a fund. And you know, there's a lot of funds around and so who, who necessarily cares about the fact that they're a fund, but the target of the fund is hemp processing. Uh, as, as we both have stated, hemp processing is a huge pain point. So what is everybody else doing, including the farmers, the growers getting together and in a co-op type nature to build the processing facility on a co-op level which I have seen as well uh, because of the capital intensive nature of it. Uh, I didn't see anything about, uh, you know, for example, uh, a cotton processing facility, which is another uh, agricultural fiber product that goes into many, many products. Uh, so I, I really, I, I think they had an excellent pitch deck, except with this element. Uh, they are not alone in this in trying to address this problem, and I I just cannot give them a point at all for totally ignoring their competitors. They did introduce the team 
uh, they did introduce the fund. Is that a full point for that? I like their team slides. You know, uh, I always like the pictures and the names and a little summary so that I can Google them and, and do my own investigation. And the product, the product is a fund. Uh, so yeah, I guess they get a point for that one. Okay. And then uh, creating a summary with a call to action. You know, we kind of saw the very end there. Um, was that enough to, to trigger a point? I like the fact that they gave a term sheet. Uh, thumbs up to them. We do not see that often. Mm -hmm. And I also like, uh, again, the very last slide is invest today. Uh, and so there is sort of that call to action. So they have a summary and they have a call to action. So I get a, I think they get a point there. Not saying that I like their terms, but I like the fact that they have a term sheet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Robert Palma, he presented this uh, down in Vegas during Weed Week at the Alternative Investment Forum. I thought it was a really good deck. I thought it was uh, a unique opportunity, um, especially within, I mean, there's stuff like this all over in different segments, right? But as it pertains to industrial hemp or even cannabis, can't really do tax-free yet, but uh, I thought this was intriguing. So uh, five out of seven, that's 71.4% not bad uh, on the, the deck review there. So um, uh, any last words? I think the biggest failure of this deck is to identify competition um, because the identifying the competition would also raise the roadblocks. So I would, mm -hmm. a, point of, a, a point of improvement would be uh, to address your competition. And if you cannot find a direct competitor with centralized um, uh, fiber processing, then use a, a, a competitive market like um, cotton or, or linen or, or something. Uh, mm -hmm. it, give me some information about another US-based fiber manufacturer. Yeah, so there's a couple of slides here that that could be updated. One of these, this is enough right here, 25,000 products, boom, you're done. Uh, in terms of manufacturing non-woven and hemp wood, you could have one of these slides uh, do just that and talk about the competition and who's doing it and how expensive it is and who walked away from a $10 million deal because it was too much and they didn't want to do it on their own. And then the other one could talk about your AI and how smart it is because you didn't bring it up. <laughs> right. You talked about it because it's 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 uh got this catchphrase or whatever, but you really want to kind of talk about that advantage because that AI, if you have this smart facility, is going to be a lot more important than this hemp wood slide is. Having said all of that though, good slide, good presentation, 71.4. That's five out of seven. Um, there's a couple, obviously, every deck we see, we want our own kind of unique changes or whatever, but I think this is a great deck. Um, especially for beginners who don't understand it at all. They don't know what you can do with it. Um, but I think you, without making it too long, you can kind of pare that down. Just maybe uh, at, people will ask more questions. What else can you do with it? Uh, but that's our suggestion. So I think with that, we're gonna have to roll this one up. I want to thank my guest, Katrina Glogowski, angel investor and attorney. Thanks for being back on the Talking Hedge. Thanks, Josh. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is the Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe or don't and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got.
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.